Hello, and welcome to the Sunday Sermon Cast from Bethel Evangelical Free Church on Washington Island, Wisconsin. I'm Rick Smith, and I've been here at Bethel since 2016, enjoying this great church on this spectacular place off the northern tip of Door County, Wisconsin. This message comes from our Sunday morning service here on the island, and it's geared towards discovering what the Bible has to say to us in our everyday lives. So, God's blessing on you, and thanks for joining with us wherever you are today. One of the things that, uh, as uh, we live our lives, it's amazing to see how God sometimes breaks into our lives and does things on our behalf in ways that are, are completely unexpected and, and in moments that we really need it to happen. Uh, a couple years ago, I was, I'd been speaking at this church and I uh, was kind of, kind of a long-term thing and, and, uh, and I, was, I was dismissed from the ministry quite unexpectedly and uh, the dismissal came um, kind of in a backhanded way by one of the junior staff members at the church. Uh, he told me I was not speaking any longer by virtue that he was starting a series the week after next that would extend through the, the winter. And I'm like, so, so, so I'm not speaking there anymore? Is that what you're saying to me? Uh, well, no. Someone going to tell me this? <laughs> and uh, my reaction to this was, well, I was not very happy about it. Just It was, I was, it was shocking. I was like, What's going on? Why? And I, I talked with the chairman and all this, and there was there was mis- misunderstandings that happened. There was a timing thing. I was talking to him and asking questions that that got me ahead of a curve that they wanted to talk with me about. But nevertheless, I was I was still very upset that day, and and I was driving around the city, and I got a phone call from a friend of mine from seminary. I'd not heard from him for three years. He's been a missionary in Africa, and and so he'd just been been traveling around, and and uh, something came to him that uh, uh, said he should call me up. And so he called me and we talked and it was just a great way to, to connect about the things that were going on. I needed him to call me that day and he called at just the right time and we were able to kind of, he kind of talked me down a little bit and, and it was just a great thing. But, but he said, he said, you know, I, yeah, I, I had this sign I should call you today. He's like, yeah, you said that. He's like, no, really, I had a sign that I should call you today. And, uh, and the sign that he had, well, he was, he was traveling through Chattanooga, Tennessee. Uh, they were uh, home on, on missionary service and, and going to different churches. And, and they were at two different highways that connected and st- sitting at a stoplight. And, and he saw a sign. And the sign, well, this is the sign that he saw. It says, shame on Rick Smith. That's, that's. And so he's sitting there at this highway in Chattanooga. What has Rick Smith done to the people of Chattanooga, Tennessee? I should give him a call. <laughs> and uh, so now, the, the, probably some of the local, some local, go figure that there's another guy named Rick Smith out there in Chattanooga, Tennessee. But uh, so anyways, God uses this sign to have him call me at just the right moment when I needed uh, a good friend of mine just to kind of talk and be brief things. And, and uh who says that God doesn't have a sense of humor, huh? <laughs> uh, it's just a, just a delightful, uh, interesting way. We have been looking at, um, well, the people of God, as God has 
been moving in their lives and, and challenging them to, to live for Jesus in the aftermath of Jesus' presence in their lives. We've been looking through the book of Acts, and, and Jesus is there at the beginning of Acts in chapter 1, and he, and he commissions his followers to be his witnesses, and, and he gives them some description. You're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. They were in Jerusalem at the time, and, and this is their direction. To, to be followers of his. And, and over these first eight chapters, we've seen all the different circumstances they found themselves in. Uh, sometimes they, they, they're given amazing, weird, and wonderful gifts. They're able to speak in different tongues, and, and people can hear them in their native tongues. And it's like, what is going on there? And, and many people confessed faith in Jesus. And uh, the local religious authorities had some struggles with them. They said, please stop speaking in this name of Jesus. It's, it's not right. It's not okay. We had him killed for a reason. And so, but, but they persisted, um, even when they told him not to. And so when they kept doing that, they arrested them again. He says, we told you, stop doing this. And, and they said, well, who are we supposed to listen to, God or, or, or people? And God tells us to keep doing this. And and we've seen again and again the different interactions that the followers of Jesus had. Well, in, in the end of chapter 7, beginning into 8, uh, no longer are they content just to arrest them and, and flog them. Uh, now one has been killed, a, a guy named Stephen, at the end of chapter 7. And, and a persecution breaks out, and, and many are arrested and put in jail. And so people are scattering all over the place from out of Jerusalem into Judea and Samaria. And, and uh, this last couple of weeks, we looked at a guy named Philip who went to Samaria. And, and he begins talking with others, people who are not Jewish in their background, but an Ethiopian eunuch. And then uh, also this, this sorcerer in in Samaria, and, and each of them come to faith in Jesus, and we're seeing other people come to faith, and, and yet there's this looming danger out there. We got our first glimpse of it at the end of chapter 7, beginning chapter 8. This guy named Saul, and he just kind of looms out there like, uh, like Darth Vader, this, uh, uh, this, this one who is against them and, and wants to destroy them, and and the story presses on. What's going to happen? Uh, there's a lot of drama involved with this. And that's where we come to, to the, today, uh, as indicated even uh, earlier with the kids' message. This Saul, something dramatic happens to him. And so if you have your Bibles, if you turn to chapter 9 of, of the book of Acts. Again, uh, just there's much rejoicing and, and the gospel going forward. And, and uh, then it says, meanwhile... I don't know if you watch dr dramatic shows or, 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 or different stories that have dramatic uh, action in it. It's like, meanwhile, back at the camp, uh, what's going on? It's other place. And it says, meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. Murderous threats. That's about as ominous as it gets, isn't it? Uh, he's not just threats. He's not just saying, I'm going to throw you in jail. Uh, there is violence in it. And so he went to the high priests and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. Uh, and just uh, just stop there. So uh, Paul, we uh, or Saul, as he's known, 
is trained as a, as a Pharisee. And, and if you're familiar with the Gospels, Jesus has lots of interactions with the Pharisees. The Pharisees were not the ruling leaders, but they were, they were certainly dedicated to the Scriptures. They knew the Scriptures and really thought of as really as reformers and helping people to, to get back and right with God by, by helping them to be obedient to, to what the Scriptures, the Old Testament Scripture would say. And, 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 and Saul is passionate about keeping the faith pure. And so the high priests allows them not to, to, to work just in Jerusalem or Judea, their local country, but to go over to Syria, a neighboring country, and, and to the city of Damascus to continue to look for these people that scattered and to, to arrest them. And, and as he does so, something happens. Verse 3, as he neared Damascus on his journey, Suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias! Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Uh, Lord... Ananias answered, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he, suffer, he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hand on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. So as... As we, uh, as we continue this story, we are now reintroduced to this, this character named Saul. And, and now with the authority that he's gotten, he's going to continue his path on, on trying to destroy this, this new group. And, and, and I, I want to, again, just take a step back and remember who this guy is and, and what his motivation is. Because uh, from the perspective of the believers, this guy is an enemy because he's trying to destroy them. And, and yet as we consider him... What does he think of himself? He has been trained theologically, and, and his devotion to God and to faith is, well, it, it is tremendous. He believes heartily in the scriptures and what they say. He is a man who would be filled with prayer and spending time, and he's very vigilant for what is correct and right. And, and he looks at this new movement these people who follow this Jesus who had come and, and in his mind would have been rightly killed because of the heresy and the blasphemy that he was teaching. 
and says, we have to purify the faith, and, and these people must be removed from the influence they're having because they're having tremendous influence. And, uh, and I can imagine this Saul on his way to Damascus uh, thinking, this is good what I'm doing. I'm serving God. I'm honoring God. And he may very well have been praying because the, the praying practices of the Pharisees would have been, would have been uh, very rigorous. They would have been praying over the scriptures, the Psalms, and, and, and on that road to Damascus, it would not have been a short journey. It would have taken several days for them to get there. And on that way, praying to God at different points, a sound comes and a light comes. And knocks him over. And this voice that rings from heaven. And where do you re- he re- to reflect on, on different parts of the Old Testament? He would remember uh, different things of how God interacted with people along the way. His interaction with Abraham in, in the book of Genesis. And, and his call to uh, Isaiah. He says, who will do this? And here I am, Lord. And several others that when God called they listened to the response and and now he's getting one himself but it's of a very different nature than some of the other incidences people had with God or with an angel and this voice coming from heaven says Saul why are you persecuting me well, again, with all this as a backdrop to what he would be thinking, that God is the one who is, who is behind these things, to, to have such a power event, it must be God. And, and, and so, who are you? I'm Jesus, the one you're persecuting. Can you imagine in those moments, passionately, with great vigor, you're trying to eliminate all who trust and believe in this name who are trying to spread the news about this Jesus he's finally gone he's nowhere to be found but now he's talking to him I'm Jesus the one you're persecuting now get up and go into the city talk about changing course he thought he was doing right only to discover it was exactly the opposite. All his training, all his reflections upon how Scripture was, was ordered, and, 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 and it's not throwing out all this Scripture. He's just saying that the way you've understood and interpreted it is not correct, that when Messiah comes, this is what he's going to look like, and it's already happened. So keep going to Damascus, and you'll be told what to do. For three days, he didn't eat, he didn't drink, he's fasting, he's just undoubtedly having conversations with, with God. And, and then also, again, with that great fertile mind, that, that great trained mind in, in the Hebrew scriptures, reflecting, what do I know about Messiah? What do I know about the Son of Man? And, and reflecting out of, out of the, the book of Daniel and the book of Isaiah in particular and, and in, in, in the book of Jeremiah when it talks about a new covenant that he's going to set up and, and, and all these things piecing them together and, and away he goes. His course has been changed. And now where is it going to lead? And uh, we could probably 
insert another meanwhile here. Meanwhile, there's this guy named Ananias in, in the city of Damascus. And, and he also gets a call from the Lord. And he says, Ananias, here I am, Lord. What do you want me to do? He's like, all right, here's what I got for you. I want you to go. All right, so there's this guy. He's in town. He's at Judas's house on Street Street. House on Street Street. I want you to go to him. He's from Tarsus. His name is Saul. <laughs> you just get the sense of it even in the story here that he's like, oh, Lord, <laughs> Lord, what are you talking about? I, I know about this guy. Right, Damascus and Jerusalem are right, not right next to each other. I mean, they are, they are over 100 miles apart. It takes several days to go from one to the other by, by, by walking and, um, and traveling. But they know about Saul because Saul's reputation is, is being vigilant and the orders that he's received to arrest those who are following. Ananias knows and he's like, okay, God, what's your, this is a dumb idea. God, this is really, this is not a good idea. Uh, this is who this guy is. And, uh, and he, gives, he gives God pushback, uh, which, which I think is good. Uh, because a lot of times, you know, we, 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 we listen and it's like, oh, God told me to do this. And, and we just maybe sometimes think, what's my, what's my basis for that? And, and he hears this. He's like, okay, obviously this is a, this is a dumb thing to do. Uh, oh, God, you don't want me to do this. And... And he says, no, actually, I do. Go, because this guy is my chosen instrument. And I want you to bring him back into the fold. He's at this guy's house. I want you to go there. He, uh, he's been blinded. He needs someone to touch him and heal him. And, and, uh, and to his credit, Ananias, uh, you know, he's, he doesn't want to do this. He's, he's God, do you really know what you're talking about here? Is, is he really changed? And, and, but he goes. And, and to his credit, when he comes to, to Saul and he finds him there at Judas's house on Street Street, and, uh, and he introduces him or introduces himself or addresses Saul, Brother Saul. Well, there's a lot of power just in that opening words, isn't it? For Saul, because he's undoubtedly wondering, where, where, do I, where do I fit now? All the people that I've known, all the, the, the guys that have been my friends and my colleagues in this, what are they going to do to me? Where, where, where do I fit in all this? And, and for three days considering and thinking and working through all the implications of, of Jesus being the Son of God. And, and this guy comes and finds him and says, Brother Saul, what you saw on the road, uh, God, this Jesus has sent me to you and lays his hands on him. And, and uh, the, the blindness, the like, scales fell off his eyes and, and he's healed and he's touched and, and uh, he got some food and is recovering. Sometimes following God is, well, weird things happen along the way. Because this is following God and his plan, right? We have our ways of doing things. We've seen this in other parts in the scriptures, that the way that we maybe would have strategized doing God's work would have been different than the way it worked out. 
When Jesus tells them to be the witnesses in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, they thought, okay, let's plan a trip to Judea or into Samaritan towns. And well, no, that's not how they get there. It's the persecution that breaks out and pushes them into these places. But on their way, they tell about what they know. They continue to witness about Jesus. And now here's this other thing that on the surface looked really, really dumb. Stay away from that guy. He's got forces. He's got authority. He can do things that uh, we want nothing to do with him. But God has a plan. Even through the weirdness of this, even through this guy, this guy of all guys, this is his chosen instrument. And Ananias listens to God and follows him and, and walks through this. Sometimes, as we think through our lives and our calling and our walk with God, we, we wonder, what do you have for me next? And, and as we listen, as we pray, sometimes we, we have, you surely don't want me to do this. Uh, at one point in my life, I, uh, my sense was that it was time for, for me to go and, and, and to leave a church ministry myself and, and uh Usually what they talk to you about at seminary and what your district leadership tells you is never leave a place without a place to go. Right? This, is just, this is, just makes sense, right? It's common sense. Don't quit your job without anything to go to because it could take months for it to happen, particularly in these ministries. But, but at one point, I, my sense was, you know, Rick, if you resign now without a place to go, I can use that in ways that I couldn't if we waited for you to do this. So can you trust me? I'm like, okay, Lord, you know, that's, they tell us not to do this, Lord. It's like, oh, will you trust me? And, and, and I did. And, and eventually we found a place and to, to land and, and a new ministry that we were a part of. And, and, uh, and yet the Lord used those, those weeks and months after my resignation to, without any place to go, to tell them there's things we need to deal with because he's not moving for the bigger, better deal. He's moving because God says it's time to move on. And where does that leave us? And it's a time for us to consider what our next steps are as a faith community and some of the things that they needed to deal with that I wasn't, I wasn't able to lead them through. But it was a little scary for me. My, my children were, were very frightened about this. Uh, my son in particular says, okay, Dad quit his job. There's no place to go. What's going to happen to us? That can be scary. Uh, but it's God, someone we can trust. As we listen to him. I'm not saying let's break conventions at all times, but if you sense that God says, this is what I want you to do, really, again, as Ananias says, give him some pushback, but also consider listening and obeying. What would that look like? And and I think that's something for us as we, as we live this life. Well, the story goes on here, uh, beginning in the middle of verse 19. It says that Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. And once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God, all those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't this the man who, who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on this name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Christ. 
After many days had gone by, the Jews conspired to kill him. But Saul learned of their plan. Day and night they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. (laughs) Go figure. (laughs) Not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. But they tried to kill him. When the brothers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace. It was strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It grew in numbers, living in the fear of the Lord. So we we come back again to Saul. Saul with his transformation, but also with the past and, and a past that people knew about. Again, moving from Damascus to Jerusalem, uh, would you believe that the guy who was overseeing the persecution that's, that started there, he changed? Like he said he changed. That could be just a ploy, right? I mean, if, if you wanted to capture more of these people, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah, I believe now. Just accept me. He's like, yeah, whatever. There's none, there's none of us here. There's, no, there's nobody like that here. Like, no, really, I've changed. Like, uh, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, but then Barnabas uh, takes a stand. We've seen Barnabas before. He comes into this uh, story in chapter 5, and he will participate with, with Saul, whose name is also known as Paul later on. But Saul tells the disciples, this is what happened. He listened to Saul. He listened to his story and, and listened to the things that were happening in Damascus as they were there. And he well, he serves as a reference for Saul, doesn't he? In our day and age, when we want to, if we're looking for a job, we're often asked for a resume as well as some references. People can say, this is who you are, and, and, and I can affirm that, yes, this person is who they say they are. These are the ways that I've seen them do what they say they do. I can verify that. And, and uh, Barnabas acts as a, a reference for Saul to introduce him into a community that was a a lot fearful of this guy and the things that he had been doing. And as he makes this introduction, as he gets included within the community, and Ananias had included him, again calling him Brother Saul, now he's part of the community of the the disciples and apostles that are in Jerusalem, and and the message continues to go forth. And he's talking now about Jesus fearlessly. People are baffled. Wouldn't you be baffled if you are... Uh, walking through this, like wait, wait, wait a minute. This guy wasn't he? Wasn't he killing these people? Wasn't he? He's now saying that he's real. What a powerful impact that would be! The person who was most forceful in coming against the community of Jesus followers is not one of them. What is going on? That's a beautiful thing. To, to follow the Lord and, and even, even though he's got this baggage behind him to move forward. Lots of us have baggage, don't we? Lots of us have stuff in our lives that we, we look in the past and it's like, oh, I'm not really proud of that. The, the person that I used to be, 
uh, some of the things that have happened, even some of the things that have happened to me after faith if I've stumbled and fallen along the way. Um, but the call of the Lord is, well, yeah, that happened. Today, follow me, listen to me, walk with me. And the amazing testimony of those who so vigilantly work against faith. Uh, uh, in our Tuesday night group, we're, we're working with uh, evidence that demands a verdict by uh, Josh McDowell. Josh McDowell wanted nothing to do with Christianity and pursued everything he could to disprove it, only in the process to be converted. Uh, Lee Strobel, a uh, uh, news writer for the Chicago Tribune, very, very much the same. As a reporter wanted to prove and show that there's no intellectual way that you could follow Jesus, that is all made up, that, that all the things that come about, it just, it's just they made it up. And, and using journalistic and historical methods came to faith that Jesus is real, he lived, he died, and he is the Son of God. And we see that in our own lives. Betty Lou and I have a close friend down in Arizona. Uh, her name is Lisa. And, and uh, she, growing up, uh, grew up in the church and, and was going through their catechism classes with the pastor. And, and uh, at some point, the pastor came to her dad and said, okay, she can't come to class anymore. And they were a little stunned. He's like, well, why? She asked too many questions. Well, the father was a little disturbed by that. What, what do you mean, she asked? Isn't that the point? Isn't the point of walking through and talking about this? Isn't the point to be able to, to work through this thing? And, and uh, nevertheless, she was not permitted to come. And, and in Lisa's life, you can imagine the frustration. What do you mean? I'm kicked out because I ask questions? What, what is this that they can't take a little bit of scrutiny? And, and in her life, it became a pursuit to find meaning, to find purpose, to find what's out there. And... And yet, of all the things, and she looked at everything. Uh, when I met her, she had been out in the southwest of the U United States and, and had pursued all kinds of Native American spirituality and goddess worship and all kinds of things and, and, and found herself in, uh, in, in a living situation. She was living with, uh, well, we'll call him a lapsed Christian because wasn't married to her, and she certainly wasn't a follower of Jesus. And, and so, but... He said to her one time, and she had this whole kind of goddess altar place set up, and he's like, well, that's wrong. <laughs> right, let's not talk about the things that he, the choices he was making, but uh, that's what he said, and it engendered some conversation and, and began talking. And in and, and that time as well, then one of the gals who, who helped found the church while we were part of down there was going to Lisa as her hairdresser. And she would talk with her, and they got to know her and, and demonstrated care. She was about the... Uh, the sweetest gal, and, uh, and, and talk with her about Jesus. And, and, uh, and Lisa really liked her, but she's like, I don't like it, but she's got this whole Jesus thing going. And, and you know what I'm not going to look at? Jesus. I'm not going to look at the Bible. I want nothing to do with that. They've shown me in the past that they, they can't handle scrutiny, so I won't look at it. But then eventually she did and uh, goes to a, a Bible study and and in the course of that, comes to faith herself. Uh, when I met her, she had come to a, a church service. It was my third week there at, at this church in Arizona. And, and I was preaching a passage that I was struggling with God with. It's, uh, 
It was Second uh, Peter chapter two. Second Peter chapter two. It's a really weird passage. Uh, there's things. It's talking about different things and uh, uh, that are that are not regular practices. We would call them heresies. And 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 um, and, I, and I come to this passage like, God, why am I preaching this? I mean, I know why I started Second Peter because the first chapter is great. There's two great sermons there, and but now I'm like going through, and I'm in chapter two. I was like, I should just not do this, and God's like, It's my word. You should do it. And I said, Okay, okay, okay. I'm the I'm a professor of mine in seminary. I said, You know, it is God's word. It will preach. So don't avoid passages. I'm like, all right. And so I preach this message, and I'm like, Whatever, Lord. At the end of the message, this gal comes, first time visiting, and says, you know what? Everything you talked about in this passage today, I was doing, and I was pursuing, and I was living. And I finally discovered it in Jesus Christ. And, uh, and for her, made this connection of this, this past spirituality that he has engaging with her life. And, and what we saw in her life of having embraced Jesus as Savior, that she endured lots of, well, weird and difficult things, a very serious illness that she had, uh, the, the disappointment actions of this fellow who was her fiancé and then couldn't ever really commit to her, and, and yet to this day continues to live faithfully for the Lord, is, is caring and generous and still inquisitive and asks questions but loves the Lord through the process. And, and, and all that to say that, that there's people in our lives who we wonder, oh, they're so hard. There's no way that they would ever have anything to do with God or with Jesus. And, and what Saul's story and what some other stories we've heard is that the Spirit of God is the one who, who changes hearts. For us, to continue just to be witnesses of what we know and, and how we live and, and walk with him. When we stumble along the way to, to, to be certain to identify and, and, and apologize for the things we need to, but, but it's God who does the work in people's lives. And the second part of it is that there are those out there who have tried everything they could to disprove and discredit and eliminate Jesus as an option for faith. And many of them, with the diligence of looking for truth, have discovered that Jesus is the Son of God and have come to faith in him. That there is truth that is discoverable. And if you're at a place today where you're wondering, is there anything real in this? Uh, I just invite you to, to look deeply. Because many have struggled as well and have come to discover there's realness, there's truth, there's life in this Jesus. And there's an invitation for you. So where are you at today? Are there people you're wondering about? Continue to pray. Pray that the Lord will do his work. And, and if you're the one struggling, say, God, if you're there, show yourself to me. Let me know this is true. And see what he does. Let's stand for closing prayer.
Spirit of God, we do come to you this day, and we, we thank you for just the wild mystery of this story, of uh, the improbability of, of this guy, of all people, to become one of the ardent spokesmen for you, your people, for the ways that you've used him, that you were preparing him, even in his days that he wanted nothing to do with you, to be a witness for you. And Lord, in our lives, may we embrace uh, challenges and questions and, and pursue you and pursue truth. And Lord, for those in our lives who we, we long that they might come discover the peace and the knowledge of you that we've discovered, uh, we, uh, we lift them up and ask that you would do your work, that you would speak through our lives and our words, that we might be bold, bold enough to speak of you and caring and gracious enough to be faithful walking with you. Because we thank you that this promise that you've given us is for us and for our children, for those who are far off and those who are near. This faith is for all. May we be guided by your spirit this day. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you this day. Well, thanks again for listening. And to learn more about how you can connect with Bethel Community Church, check out our website at islandbethelchurch.com or join us for a service Saturday night at 6 or Sunday morning at 1045. Hope to see you soon. God bless you.